And I invite you now to hear the resurrection story as told by John. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Early, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege, especially on this holy day, of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love Easter Sunday. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I, I love Easter more than I do Christmas. And one of the reasons that I love Easter more than I do Christmas is because, well, what happens on Easter validates everything that we heard at Christmas. That everything that Jesus had said, everything that had been prophesied about him, all that was being led has now been confirmed as true. Easter validates the whole faith, validates the whole story. And I, I love the Easter music. 
I mean, there, there's just something about getting together and, and singing Christ the Lord is risen today and, and hearing the brass as it's playing and the percussion as they're going and the choir as they're singing. And even this morning, bright and early, 7 o'clock, brass were outside, you know, there at the graveyard as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Love Easter. And to be able to stand up in front of a crowd of people and go, Christ is risen. And here in response, he is risen indeed. Oh, wow. I mean, that's worship right there. I mean, it's exciting to join together and celebrate Easter. And we read the resurrection story. We hear the resurrection proclaimed. But then, in just a little while, the service will be over. We'll file out to the parking lot. We'll make our way to our homes or wherever it is that we're going to eat and the candles will be blown out here in the sanctuary. The lights will be turned off. Things will be cleaned up and doors locked behind us. And then we'll wonder, what difference is it really going to make? What change is going to occur in our lives as a result of Easter? I love Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is one of those amazing people we learn about in the Bible. She was so anxious to serve her Lord. Mary was from the town of Magdala. Magdala was a village that's there on the Sea of Galilee. And, and so it's Mary of Magdala, or Mary Magdalene, meaning of the town of Magdala. And she was just one of those neat people and so, so dedicated to Jesus. She follows Jesus throughout his ministry. We, we see Mary all around when stories are told about things that Jesus did. And, and it makes you wonder, why was she so committed? Well, Luke will tell us, so does Mark, that Mary was actually possessed with demons. As a matter of fact, she had had seven demons inside of her. Seven and Jesus had healed her from these demons. He had helped cast out the demons. And, and so as a result of that, she was now following Jesus, committed to Jesus. He had saved her life. He had set her free. I mean, wonder how long she had had them. Wonder how long she had been afflicted with this issue. But, but now all of a sudden she could live again. So she followed Jesus, served Jesus, and incredibly loyal to Jesus, even though in biblical times it wasn't really appropriate for a woman to be following a group of men around wherever they go, especially for a few years. But she gets with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and some others, and she constantly serves Jesus in gratitude and in faith. And John tells us, John tells us just if you back up to chapter 19, that that Mary was there at the foot of the cross. When Jesus died, Mary was there. She witnessed the death. Wonder, wonder what she was feeling. I mean, this is the one who had set her free. This is the one she had followed and served for years. This is the one who had saved her life. And now he's dying on the cross. And she watches him die and sees him buried. But Jesus died on Friday. And, and, and for the, the, the days that during Jesus' time, days were counted from sundown to sundown. It's part of their faith, part of their world. And so sundown, that Friday night, actually, well, that ended Friday and began the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, 
you couldn't work. On the Sabbath, you, you were supposed to refrain from working and take some time to be with God and with your family. And it was to be a holy and sacred time. She couldn't go to the tomb on the Sabbath. That would have been inappropriate to have gone to the tomb on the Sabbath. So John tells us that it was early on the first day of the week, meaning Sunday morning. And John tells us while it was still dark. And nothing in John is ever by accident. John is very precise in what he teaches. And, and what that means is, is that, that the, very, the very moment that she could go, the, the first opportunity she had to go to the tomb, she went. Still dark, heads are way there. Sabbath is now over. I want to check on the body of my Lord. I want to make sure the grave is fine. Just like many of us, when someone we love has been buried, then we'll go back to the grave just to make sure everything is right, everything is proper, everything is in place. She rushes back to the tomb. When she gets there, she sees the stone rolled away. And you know her stomach just turned. She's not believing in resurrection at this point. As a matter of fact, she's crying out, oh no, oh no. She's actually crying out, please God, no. The stone's been rolled away and so she turns around and she runs. She runs to find Simon, Peter, and John early that morning and, and, and she's talking to them. She's out of breath. She's going, they've taken, they've taken the Lord. They've taken his body. Somebody has removed his body. I mean, who would that be? I mean, some scholars argue that, that maybe she was afraid that, that the very people who crucified Jesus were not satisfied. I mean, maybe, maybe watching him being ridiculed wasn't enough. Maybe seeing him spat upon wasn't enough. Maybe the crown of thorns on his head wasn't enough. Maybe watching him hang on a cross and die that cruel death wasn't enough. Maybe, just maybe, the very ones who had been shouting crucify, maybe, just maybe, the very ones who, who trumped up the charges and tried to find some way of getting rid of him were not satisfied with what had happened, and now let's mutilate the body. Oh, she's horrified. Please, God, no. Oh, no. Please, God. Others think that it could have been grave robbers. Maybe she was afraid of grave robbers because, well, again, in biblical times, the way we bury is a little bit different in the sense that, that oftentimes there would be the cave or, or the tomb that somebody would be placed in and, and then a stone would be rolled over it. There was typically a trench and a stone would roll over it and, and the body would be left there until it could properly deteriorate. And, and once it had deteriorated, it was down just to the bones and the remains of the dust and all that's left. Then the family would go in, collect the bones and, and the fragments that are left and they would bury them separately and, and then the tomb could be reused for another family member. It was why you heard that this tomb had never been used before. And, and so sometimes grave robbers knew you can get back in the tomb. And so sometimes they would come and roll away the stone to go in to see, did the, did the family put any jewelry in there? Did the family put any, anything precious in there? And they would rob the grave. She runs. They've taken the body. Taken the body. And so Peter and John then run to the tomb, and, and John outruns Peter. I remember John's the one telling us the story. And, 
And so John's younger and faster, and he outruns Peter, and he gets there to the grave, and he, he stops and he looks in, but he doesn't go in. Then Peter catches up and just runs straight on in there. Peter's the impulsive one. We've always seen that. I mean, Peter's the one to just run right in there. And he looks, and he sees the cloths lying there. And then the head wrapping. It was kind of laid over by itself. Now, that just, that's just odd. I mean, if somebody had come to mutilate the body, why would they take the time to fold up the cloths? It doesn't make any sense. And if they were grave robbers and they were going to take the body, why, why? they wouldn't take the time to unwrap the body before they took it. They would take it and then dispose of that somewhere else. Why? Who somebody folded up the cloths. So they're scratching their heads, trying to figure out what happened. And John, John who's writing the story, telling us the story, he says... That he believed, and yet he didn't really believe. I mean, he believed, but then he says, but we really didn't understand the resurrection at that point. Maybe what he believed was Mary was right. Somebody took the body. And they do the craziest thing. John says, so we went home. I mean, when I read that, that just strikes me as odd. They came and found the body missing, and then John, John himself is telling you the story. He goes, we went home. I mean, maybe they were terrified. Actually, if you read the, the next verse, chapter, uh, verse 19, you actually hear that they're behind locked doors because they're afraid of the Jews. I mean, maybe one of the reasons they didn't go looking for the body is, is because if somebody took the body to mutilate it, they didn't want to catch up with them. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they're afraid if they're doing that to them, to Jesus' body, wonder what they'd do to us if we did catch him. And so they're they're terrified. Maybe maybe they're at home thinking, can this can this week get any worse? I mean, Jesus came riding into town last Sunday and 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 people were waving palm branches and it just seemed such a wonderful time and they were shouting Hosanna and then what did things take a turn? And Thursday was rough and and watching all the things that we saw with how they treated Jesus and then to see him down across, could this week get any worse? I mean, and now the body's missing. I mean, what else can happen? What else could go wrong this week? They were told that Mary stayed there and she was weeping outside the tomb. And she looks into the tomb and finds two angels. Now, I find that interesting because Peter and John just looked in. They didn't see any angels. But God sent the angels for Mary because she needed it. She was outside the tomb weeping because her heart was breaking. And, and the angels look at Mary and, and they say to her, why are you weeping? And I'm just amazed that Mary didn't go, duh. I'm at a cemetery. Jesus just died. My Lord just died and now somebody's taking the body. What do you, what do you mean, why are you weeping? I'm torn to pieces in here. And, and then she, she turns around and, and she sees this figure standing near her, but she doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. And, and, and some people argue that, that the reason she didn't recognize it was Jesus is because, one, she wasn't expecting to see Jesus there, but two, with her, with her weeping and her, her eyes watering, maybe she just glanced back, saw a figure, but didn't really spend much time looking and. And then Jesus asked her, why are you weeping? Seriously, I'm at a grave. Well, whom are you looking for? 
And Mary thinks that he's a gardener, and so she just says, look, if, if you've done something with him, just tell me where you put him. Just tell me. Just tell me. And, and I'll go take care of the body. And then Jesus says, Mary. Calls her by name. You know, John chapter 10, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. I call them by name. So when he called her by name, she knew who it was. And she said, Rabboni! And she turns around, which means, you know, it's a, an affectionate way of saying rabbi or, or teacher. And, and she just grasped hold. Now, some people, when you read the scripture and some translate it by saying, don't touch me, don't touch me. That's not exactly what it says. What John says here is, don't hang on. Because by the time he got around to say, don't, she's already grabbed hold. I mean, just imagine, and, and Matthew tells us that they grab hold, and, and they're worshiping there at his feet, and, and so they, they grab hold of Jesus. She grabs hold of Jesus, and what Jesus really says here is, let go. You can't keep holding on. You, you're going to have to let go, because we're not done. We're not done. I need you to go tell my brothers that I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God, and and to your God. And so Mary takes off. Now just, just imagine, this is the second time she's run to find them. The first time she went to go, they've taken away my Lord. And, and now she runs back again. And she finds the disciples. And, and, and they're locked into the room. And, and, and she's out of breath. You know she's out of breath. And so excited. I mean, how do you have this kind of news? That she goes in there and she goes, I, you know, I saw, I looked in, two, two angels, one here, one there. They asked me why weeping. I said, what do you mean why weeping? And then I turned around and there was a gardener. What a gardener was Jesus. Jesus, I saw Jesus. I mean, you've got to imagine she's excited. I mean, don't read the Bible just so fast that you miss the emotion. She is thrilled. Before she came to make sure a dead body was still preserved. But now she's celebrating the risen Lord. I have seen the Lord. He is alive. He is alive. And he told me to tell you this. Uh, she is so excited at this point. Mary Magdalene. The very first evangelist of the risen Jesus Christ is Mary of Magdalene. The very first witness of the risen Christ is Mary of Magdala. God gave her this amazing gift. And here we are. And I was thinking about the scripture and thinking about today's message. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, the, the two hardest sermons that a preacher ever preaches are Christmas and Easter. I mean, I know that sounds kind of odd because you go, well, that, wouldn't that be the greatest? But, but the challenge of it is, nobody, none of you came here and, and, and just went, whoa, did you just say he rose from the dead? I did not see that coming. <laughs> and so how do you tell it again? And so I was spending some time with God and I was wrestling with the scripture and we've been walking with John from Palm Sunday through Holy Thursday to Good Friday. We've been listening to John retell the story and and I was praying, you know, God, what, what is the message? What is it that you want me to hear and, and, and to be able to share? And, and, and the craziest thing that kept coming back to me was they just went home. After the disciples saw the empty tomb, they just, they just went home. And, and, and what the message for me is there is that, that just seeing the empty tomb is not going to be enough for us. Mary saw the empty tomb. First thing in the morning, she goes there and, 
and she saw the empty tomb, but the first thing that hit her mind was not, hallelujah, he did it. It was they took, they took the body. And Peter and John, of all people, you would think Peter and John would have got it. I mean, Peter, he's the one that said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, I'm changing your name from Simon to Peter, which means rock, Petros. And upon this Petra, this, this, this faith, this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Actually, Peter, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Wow. Surely he would get it. Peter and John, they experienced things that the other disciples didn't experience. I mean, Peter, James, and John, the top three. Remember when Jesus went up onto the mountain and he was transfigured, his clothes became dazzling white? Who did Jesus take with him? Peter, James, and John. They were the ones that experienced that. They got to hear God say, this is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. You would think if anybody was going to get it, they would get it. You would have thought that when they showed up at the tomb... And saw the stone rolled away, they would have gone, he did it. He said he was going to do it. He did it. He really did it. Actually, I don't understand why they weren't there first thing in the morning. Said He said he'd be up about now. <laughs> but they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Peter, James, and John. Peter and John here. I mean, when, when, when Jesus went to see Jairus, when Jairus' daughter was sick and was dying and, and she called for Jesus to come and he gets delayed by others wanting to experience him. When he gets there, she had died and, and the scripture says that he didn't let anybody in the house except for Peter, James, and John. Peter and John, these two, they watched Jesus raise the dead. If anybody's going to get it, you'd think they'd get it. And just a couple days ago when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying... And he actually asked, Peter, James, and John, come and pray with me. They got to hear Jesus pray. They heard Jesus praying. You'd have thought that they would have got it. They didn't get it. Why? The empty tomb's not enough. Nor is the testimony of somebody else. Because even when Mary came to see them, Mary came and told them, verse 18, I've seen the risen Lord. He is alive. Verse 19, Locked in a house behind closed doors. Out of fear. They didn't. They didn't get it. Because to celebrate Easter means that we don't simply get together and hear about an empty tomb and sing some amazing songs. But we experience the risen Christ. That's what it takes. To celebrate Easter, you actually have to encounter the risen Christ. You know, when, when Mary arrives at the empty tomb, she's filled with sorrow and weeping. When she sees the risen Christ, she's filled with joy and celebration. When the disciples see the empty tomb, they're filled with fear. They go locked behind doors. When they experience the risen Christ, they have faith and victory. And when people arrived at the tomb, they saw death. But when they experienced the risen Christ, they realized there's life. That when Jesus said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life, he meant it. And he proved it. So without, a, without an encounter with the risen Christ, Easter is just going to be an intriguing story with some great music. But it is about time we go to lunch.
And if we're not careful, that's where we end it. And Monday will feel like last Monday. But the goal for us today is not simply to talk about an empty tomb, but for you to experience the risen Christ. And that's what will turn your weeping into joy. For there's some of us that came here today who really need to experience the risen Christ because there are some of us who came in the door weeping today with things that are happening in our lives, things that are happening in our family's lives, things that are happening deep inside of us. And, and an empty tomb is really great, but I, I really need to experience the risen Christ because that's what will lead me to joy. And there are others of us even though the, the command that God gives to us more than any other command, the command that God gives more than any other command in the Bible is fear not. And yet the disciples are behind locked doors. Why? John himself tells you. John, who wrote this, says, we actually were terrified. We were afraid. John confessed we're, we were afraid. The risen Christ, though, takes us from fear to faith and faith to victory. And there are some of us who came in today, we were terrified. Just so many things happening in our lives and in our world that we just can't get our arms around. And if we're not careful, we'll leave here with that same fear because it was just an empty tomb. But I need you to experience, and God wants you to experience the risen Christ. The risen Christ. And we can move from death to life. I thought it was interesting that the angels asked Mary, why are you weeping? Jesus asked Mary, why are you weeping? And I think part of the reason the question is asked is because if you celebrate Easter, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. So Mary was committed to Christ. He had saved her life. She followed him first thing in the morning and wanted to be there. Then... God provides angels for her to know this is a God thing, and then she gets to experience the risen Christ first. Wow. Well, hear the good news. On Friday night, Jesus died on that cross to save your life. And if you'll simply believe in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. For God wants to forgive you for whatever it is that you're hanging on to, whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is that's eating you alive. The whole point of Friday was so you didn't have to do that anymore. And you could be forgiven. Here's the good news. This morning, early, early in the morning, Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead to offer you victory over both sin and death. And isn't it interesting, when you know that you can live forever, it changes how you live today. So it's Easter. We're just about to sing the closing song. And if we're not careful, Monday will be just like last Monday. But if we celebrate Easter, it'll never be the same again. If we celebrate the risen Christ, experience, encounter the risen Christ, it'll never be the same again. Will you pray with me? God, we're so grateful for this day. And we are grateful for the risen Christ. God, we sing some great songs. And we see an empty tomb. But more importantly, we pray that we would experience the risen Christ.
You have promised us that where two or three are gathered in your midst, that you will be right, gathered in your name, that you'll be right here in our midst. So God, we know you're here. And God, we pray that each one here today would experience your risen Savior. For there are some of us who came weeping, and Jesus asked, why are you weeping? You don't have to do that anymore. And some of us are afraid. And Jesus comes in our midst and says, fear not. And some of us struggle with the idea of death when you're offering to us the gift of life, everlasting life. So God, we pray that each of us here today would celebrate Easter, the risen Christ. And may we sing with all the saints in glory, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.